Turn with me to 1 Kings 18. The title of my message is How God Changes Things. 1 Kings 18, verse 1. When Samuel was a young boy, lying in, in the temple, trying to sleep, God spoke to him three times. Samuel, Samuel. He ran to Eli, here I am. Eli said, I didn't call you, go back to sleep. He's probably thinking, you, Samuel, you've had a dream, something's going on here, but uh, I did not call you. And so on the third time, finally, Eli gets wise and says, say, speak, Lord, for your servant here. And Samuel goes back and he says, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And the rest is history. Samuel became a mighty man, a mighty prophet of God. And God used him to change the direction of the nation. Um, it was really profound. You, you look at the books of First and Second Samuel, it's so different than what you read in the book of Judges. Samuel was actually the last judge uh, before the king bega kingship began. God used him to bring about a profound change. And so, uh, what does God do to change things? And, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight. And I think God wants to use each and every one of us as a vehicle for change. And we definitely need change in our, in our nation today. We need change in, in our families and in the churches of our land, we need change. And so, uh, you and I are uniquely uh, equipped by God with the person of the Holy Spirit living within us to be an instrument of change through the gifts that he's given and the gospel that he's given to us. And so, uh, the scripture we're going to look at today is kind of like an introduction to a big story. But in that introduction, we're going to find some, some things that I believe God set in motion to bring about change. And without these things, the change in the big story never would have happened. And so, uh, look with me at uh, 1 Kings 18.1. After a long time, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year. Go and present yourself to Ahab. I will send rain on the surface of the land. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. The famine was severe in Samaria. Ahab called for Obadiah, who was in charge of the palace. Obadiah was a man who greatly feared the Lord and took a hundred prophets and hid them, fifty men to a cave, and provided them with food and water when Jezebel slaughtered the Lord's prophets. Ahab said to Obadiah, Go throughout the land to every spring of water and to every wadi. Perhaps we'll find grass so that we can keep the horses and mules alive and not have to destroy any cattle. So they divided the land between them in order to cover it. Ahab went one way by himself, and Obadiah went the other way by himself. While Obadiah was walking along the road, Elijah suddenly met him. When Obadiah recognized him, he fell with his face to the ground and said, Is it you, my lord Elijah? It is I, he replied. Go tell your lord Elijah is here. But Obadiah said, what sin have I committed that you are handing your servant over to Ahab to put me to death? As the Lord your God lives, there is no nation or kingdom where my Lord has not sent someone to search for you. When they said he is not here, he made that kingdom or nation swear they had not found you. Now you say, go tell your Lord Elijah is here. But when I leave you, the spirit of the Lord may carry you off to some place I don't know. Then when I go report to Ahab and he doesn't find you, he will kill me. 
But I, your servant, have feared the Lord from my youth. Wasn't it reported to my Lord what I did when Jezebel slaughtered the Lord's prophets? I hid a hundred of the prophets of the Lord, 50 men to a cave, and I provided them with food and water. Now you say, go tell your Lord, Elijah is here. He will kill me. Then Elijah said, as the Lord of hosts live, before whom I stand, today I will present myself to Ahab. Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him. Then Ahab went to meet Elijah. When Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, is that you, you destroyer of Israel? He replied, I have not destroyed Israel, but you and your father's house have because you have abandoned the Lord's commands and followed the Baals. Now summon all Israel to meet me at Mount Carmel, along with the 50, 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. How God changes things. We need to be open uh, to God using us to change things, and we need to trust God uh, to change things through us as we respond to him in obedience. So how does God change things through us? Well, first of all, God directs his people. God directs his people. For three years, Elijah has been either by the brook Kareth or he has been with the widow in Zarephath. Uh, now, after three years of no rain, can you imagine? Elijah is told by God, go and show yourself to Ahab. Appear to Ahab and I will send rain on the surface of the ground. And so Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. He followed the direction that God had given him. That's a very simple thing to do. But it's a very powerful thing. Um, when we follow God's direction, um, it enables God to fulfill the specific, perfect plan that he has for our lives. He gives us the uh, somebody once said there's a difference between God's perfect will and his permissive will. God gives us the ability to say no to him. Uh, he gives us the ability to uh, make a choice. He doesn't force our hand. But if we want God to use us in the best way, we need to be responsive to his word, responsive to his spirit as he prompts us in what to do. Um, I think of Jesus' direction to the disciples. He told them, he said, go wait in Jerusalem for power to come on you from on high. And that's what they did. And wow, what an, what an effect took place from following that simple command. Uh, the Spirit of God descended at Pentecost, and they turned the world upside down, and thousands of people saved in one day, and every single day somebody was coming to faith in Jesus Christ. It was just a marvelous work of God. Um, I think about Joshua, I mean, excuse me, Jonathan and his armor bearer. And Jonathan says, if we see the trees rustle, we know that God is with us. We'll go up and fight these Philistines. And, and uh, the trees rustle and he and his armor bearer go up and they win a great victory. How many victories have we failed to win simply because we were unwilling to follow the direction of God? And so, uh, of, of course, God's direction in his word is so important. Um, in order to have God's direction, you have to have listening ears. Jesus over and over again said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Uh, so uh, part of it is coming with an open heart to God uh, when you come to his word and, and when you enter your time of prayer. But also, uh, it is being in the place 
where you hear God's word. Coming to church. I know I'm talking to Sunday night crowd, but coming to church is important. Uh, spending that regular daily time with God is important so that God can speak to you and deal with you and, and show you uh, what he may have for you. And then ask God to give you um, listening ears throughout the day. Uh, I think there will be those times where God may prompt you to give a word of encouragement or prompt you to witness to somebody that you come across. And as you're alert to that, uh, God will use you in a great way. Um, there was a Sunday school teacher who felt led to go talk to one of his Sunday school members about Jesus Christ. And so he went to the shoe store and uh, talked to this young man, uh, and the young man was saved on his break. And uh, his name was D.L. Moody. Do you think that simple step of obedience made a difference? Wow. If we're going to change things in this world, sometimes it comes about through just that simple listening to the direction of God. God told Elijah, go show yourself to Ahab. Uh, and uh, God used Obadiah's circumstance so that he would come across Elijah. It's funny because Ahab doesn't come across him. Uh, God, I think, is showing Ahab. He has, he's, he's against him. But anyway, uh, Obadiah is just doing what Ahab has told him to do as a member of his court, and it just so happens he comes across Elijah. Sometimes we have divine appointments in our lives. We just so happen to come across, just so happen to come across someone that God has a mission for us uh, to minister to that person or to talk to them about Jesus. And so uh, be alert to that and be willing to share. Um, so how does God change things? First of all, he directs his people. Secondly, God arranges his appointments. God arranges his appointments. My pastor, when I was growing up, said that he had been praying for divine appointments and he got a flat tire. And uh, when the man came to help him with his flat tire, uh, he got to talk to him about Jesus, and it was a divine appointment. He recognized that. He said, I've got to quit praying for divine appointments because I've got a flat tire. No. Uh, but uh, God had arranged these appointments, and I think God does that sometimes. Um, I remember one time I, I, was, I was driving to the bookstore. God said, go see this lady. I've told you all about this story. And, and I walk into the hospital room, and she says, I prayed for God to send you here today. That's a divine appointment right there. I believe that with all my heart. Uh, God changed my schedule. He said, no, don't go here, go here. I didn't really know why I was going there. Then I find out she's in the hospital. And then I found out she prayed that I would come. Who knew? Uh, Tom Burge and I were talking a couple weeks ago. And uh, director of missions at the association. And he was, he was sharing with me when he was a pastor how one day he, he had planned to study and he just had this lady on his mind. And he said, he said finally, I, just, I felt like God was dealing with me that I needed to go see her. And so uh, he went and he, he visited this lady and she said, I knew you were coming today. He said, really? He said, I didn't know I was coming today. <laughs> and uh, it was a divine appointment. And he had a conversation with her and she was really in, in need and needed to uh, have somebody minister to her. So... Um, God 
will arrange these appointments. You know, it's not an accident that God has put you in the workplace or in the, the, where you do your leisure activities or wherever you may be. God has a mission for us oftentimes in places where we normally go. And so, uh, view your life through the lens of God's mission field. And recognize that wherever you may be, God may use you to touch somebody else uh, and to fulfill his purpose. One of the things that uh, was difficult for me when I had so many things going on at my last church and so many problems to deal with, and I didn't really know what to do with it all. You know, you, you, you go out and you try to put two fires out and three fires would start. You know, it was just one of those things. And finally one day I threw up my hands and, God, I don't know what to do. And, and, and I just sense God saying, you just do what I tell you to do today and you trust me. That doesn't, we want a plan, don't we? We don't want, you trust me, do what I tell you to do today and you trust me. We want to, okay, this is how we're going to do it. This is the plan of action. This is what we're going to do next week. This is what we're going to do two weeks from now. Uh, God didn't do that. He, he just asked me to trust him. But God changed things in that place. Not just through me, but through many, many people who I think were seeking God. And the situation was totally turned around. I can't really tell you today how God did it. I, it, was a, it was a miracle in my opinion. Uh, but God did an amazing work. Why? Because he had an appointment for each one of us to fulfill. And this person did one thing, and this person did another. This person's praying, this person's fasting, uh, this person's serving. And, you know, and all of it, you mix it all up in God's soup. And it was the plan of God. And he did a great work, and things were changed. Um, Obadiah didn't really like what Elijah said to him. Elijah says, you go get your master Ahab and tell him, come here. Obadiah said, hey, I thought we were on the same team. Uh, don't you know I'm a prophet of God? I take care of the prophets of God. What's up here? You know and I know that if God sends you away somewhere, he's going to kill me. It was an uncomfortable place for him to be. But he was there by God's appointment. Sometimes God may send us to do something... Or God may put us in a specific circumstance that we don't enjoy. That is uncomfortable for us. That is outside our comfort zone. And yet we're put there for the purpose of making a difference for God. Um, by the way, Obed, Obadiah's name means servant of Yahweh. There was another servant of Yahweh. Some centuries later, named Jesus Christ, who went to a cross. It wasn't a comfortable place for him to be. But he was there by God's appointment. And he paid the price for sin and rose again. And so, uh, have an openness in your life to be in an uncomfortable place, even if necessary, in order to be used by God. And... Look at the uncomfortable. Sometimes we just look at them, at these uncomfortable situations as a nuisance, as a bother. As, okay, God, deliver me from this, you know. And, and our thought is about ourselves and how we're feeling versus, God, what is your purpose in this? And there may be a purpose that God has for you to fulfill 
in that uncomfortable circumstance. So be aware that God has appointments for you. I've got my appointments. Philip was laughing. I pulled out my phone to, to set the appointment for his mom's surgery tomorrow. Uh, and then he, he came back uh, tonight to tell me some, some d- different details. And he said, put it in your phone. And I said, I will. <laughs> and, uh, you know, get, get that appointment uh, set right. But, you know, there's my appointment book and there's God's appointment book. And what I've learned is sometimes I need to set aside my appointment book for God's appointment book so that God can use me in the way that he desires. And so... <clears throat> Uh, just be aware of that and be open to God using you in unexpected ways through divine appointments that he brings in your life. And he'll use you to change things in this world. So, how does God change things? First of all, he directs his people. Secondly, he arranges his appointments. And thirdly, he speaks his message. He speaks his message. Obadiah goes and gets Ahab... And look at verse 16. Ahab went to meet Elijah. When he saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, Is that you, you troubler of Israel? Or just, my translation says destroyer, but you, you, know, you troubler. It's your fault. This famine's your fault. He replied, I've not destroyed Israel or troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have. Because you have abandoned the Lord's commands and followed the Baals. Now summon all Israel to meet me at Mount Carmel, along with the 450 prophets of Baal, 400 prophets of Asherah, who eat at Jezebel's table. God had a message for Ahab. Now, Ahab was not a nice guy. I mean, you just read the story of Ahab, and you'll find that out. Uh, that's why Obadiah was afraid that he'd be killed. But God had a message to be delivered. And despite the wickedness of the king and the danger of the king, God told Elijah to speak. And Elijah had to speak. God speaks his message through his people. Um, How lovely are the feet of those who bring good tidings of good news. Uh, You and I, are called to speak God's message, not just in sharing the gospel, um, but in speaking God's truth into our into the lives of people that we love, our friends and family members, uh, of speaking God's truth in the life of those maybe that are acquaintances in our life as God leads us. There is power in the spoken message of God. He says, my word will not return void but will accomplish the purpose for which I have sent it. Um, R.A. Torrey uh, talks about his, in his book on evangelism, about the power of using the word of God, and about scripture verses that he had memorized, and that God would bring to mind, and he would repeat these scripture verses in witnessing uh, encounters that he had, and, and he would pray for the person that God would take that scripture. And oftentimes he said that scripture would stick in somebody's mind, and, and they would be troubled under the conviction of God's spirit until they got right. And one man had told him, he said, yes, I know I'm lost, but I'm not going to be saved. And he said he went home, and for two weeks, he said, he couldn't sleep. He came back after two weeks, he said, I've got to be saved. He said, I can't even sleep at night. You know, and he was just so under the conviction of God's spirit. There is power in God's word. 
Sometimes I, I hear people say, well, I witness by my life. Well, that's good. I hope you do. I hope you're a godly person. But your life is not enough. They need to hear the reason for the hope that is in you. Uh, the spoken message of God's truth. There's power in it. Um, sometimes God will use the spoken message to rebuke. Uh, Paul said uh, that the Scripture, all Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. So there will be those times where we're called to rebuke. That's uncomfortable for me. I'm, some of y'all are probably great at rebuking. You have to work on not rebuking in the wrong way, maybe. Okay? Uh, for me, it's, a, it's more of a struggle to rebuke. I, occasionally, I have to preach a message that is very direct and, confronted and confronts. And, and, and that's, I'm, I'm always uncomfortable when I do that. I know it's necessary. Um, but there may be those times where God, in, by His Spirit, will lead you to confront. And I've not had that happen real often in my life. But I have had it happen usually with close friends. Um, who, where there's a trust level that's built there so that when you rebuke, they listen. You know, you have a stranger rebuke you, half the time you shrug it off. Um, but occasionally, I, I remember there's one, there's one fellow that I talked with in the military, and he, he was, I could tell he's under conviction about his profanity. And he said, I can't help that, I can't help that. And, and God led me one day to say, could you really not help that? That's all, all I felt led to say. Well, I argued with God for a couple of days about that because I really didn't want to do it. But finally, I, I said, okay, God, I'll do it. And, and sure enough, on that next break, he, he said that again. And I said, can you really not help it? He pulls me into the side room and we had this, begins, tears begin to flow. And he, we begin to have this great discussion about God. And, and I shook my head. I never would have thought it would have turned out that way. I thought I was going to lose a friend. And you know, I had all these, these scenarios that were going to come about. But God worked. He knew exactly what was needed uh, through that spoken word. There's power in, in speaking God's truth. And so do that with wisdom, with a, with a quiet voice. A soft answer turns away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Um, do it with a soft voice. Do it with respect. But when God lays it on your heart to rebuke, to do that with gentleness uh, as God leads you. Also, uh, encouragement. What a great, I love encouragement. And, and what a great thing to be able to build each other up with encouragement. God may use you to speak a message into somebody's life that will help them keep going on. I love the story of W.A. Criswell. He was in the seminary. And he was just full of the Lord one day, singing. You know, I don't know if you've ever just felt just your heart's full and you just start singing to God. And, and uh, he was singing, it pays to serve Jesus. It pays every day. Pays to serve Jesus every step of the way. And what he didn't know was down a floor below him, there was a man packing up his clothing. He was so discouraged he was going to leave seminary and forego the ministry. But he heard him singing, it pays to serve Jesus. It pays every day. And he decided to stay at seminary. And years later, he came up to W.A. Criswell at a, at a pastor's conference and said, Hey, 
uh, you don't know me, but uh, I, I remembered you from seminary, and I heard you singing one day, and because of your singing, I stayed at seminary, and, I, and I'm in the ministry today. What power there is in a word of encouragement. And so let God use you as an instrument of bringing life to other people. There's a, there's a scripture, I believe it's in Proverbs, that says the words of the righteous are like a fountain of life, bringing life to those around them. Uh, let God use you in that way, and you'll make a difference in this world. You know, you say, well, what difference can I make? You can make a profound difference. Uh, sometimes I think people who are in the background, who are quiet, who uh, get along well with other people and uh, just have good relationships, often make a more profound difference than somebody standing in a pulpit uh, because they just know a lot of people. I, you know, I, I look at some of these that we've had funerals for in, in the past couple of years, and, um, and you see all these people turn out to these funerals. You had no idea. This person's quiet, humble, you'd never know. But they impacted a whole lot of people. And, and people won't be the same because of these people who were obedient to God. Don't discount what God can do with you. He created you for his purpose. He gifted you and, and gave you the personality that you have for a reason so that you could be used for his glory. So um, be open to speak. And, you, you know, uh, it's okay to be nervous about that. Jeremiah was a teenager when God called him. God said, I, I want you to be a spokesman, not just to my people, but to the nations. Jeremiah's like, you talking to me? I'm just a youth. I don't know how to speak, God. I, what? <laughs> God says, yeah, you're going you're gonna to speak for me. And, and God used Jeremiah in a profound way. God can use you. I love what God said to Moses. Moses says, God, I've got a speech impediment. God says, don't you know I'm the one who created the mouth, the lips, the tongue? I made you. I can handle this, Moses. <laughs> you just do what I tell you to do. Be obedient to me. Say what I tell you to say. And I'll tell you, my will is going to be accomplished through your life. You're going to make a difference. So how does God change things? He directs his people, arranges his appointments, and speaks his message through us. Are you willing to be used by God to make a difference? I hope you are. Let's pray. Father, thank you for um, the encouragement that we find in your word that we can make a difference. Lord, we desperately need godly people who love you to take a stand in this world, uh, to speak for you, to love people, uh, to, to look at their life through the lens of ministry. So, Father, I just pray that you'll help each and every one of us to do just that. And that you'll use us in our, the unique ways that you have for us to be used so that we can make.